Welcome to the Roxborough Church Podcast. For more resources and information, visit RoxboroughChurch.org. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Father God, would you bless your word as we get into it this morning, God? I pray that every one of us would be here in expectation of you doing something great through the word, Father, of you uh, investing in our hearts, God, of you moving us along, of you, of you helping us to see you in a way that we hadn't before we got here today. God, I pray for those who are here today who are hurting and are in need, I pray that they would find you. For those who are lost, I pray that they would be found. And for those who are wondering how and why, I pray that you would be the answer. Allow us to experience the joy as we lean into you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so for the last couple of weeks, we've been on this series about pursuing God and uh, the pursuit of God. And the series is kind of inspired by that book that I had been reading with A.W. Tozer. And so if you haven't checked that book out yet and you'd like to check it out, you can see me after church. I got a couple copies. Love for you to take one home and enjoy it. But, uh, but the, uh, wrapping up that series today, I want to I wanna talk to us about finding joy in leaning in. Um, leaning in, it, it's kind of a language that gets used fairly often. And, and uh, we, we get the concept, right? Leaning in simply meaning that we're going to kind of move Physically, or we're going to move into uh, the direction or, or whatever, whatever the situation is. So in this case, finding joy and leaning into God and kind of saying, God, I'm all in. I'm, I'm yours. I surrender. And I, I want to give a little illustration to help us get this. Uh, yesterday, while we were uh, throwing axes, um, some of us were more gifted. I shouldn't say us. I was not one of them. Some people were more gifted than others at throwing axes. And so while they were throwing axes, right, they were... Axes flying around, and for those who can picture it, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's kind of like the center aisle right here in the sanctuary. It's a space like that, and at the end is a target, and on the other end are two people with axes, and they throw them. Well, it's very important. Here's there are very few rules when it comes to throwing axes, other than this being one of them. When you're throwing, you make sure no one else is down there receiving. Okay, it's not like a football; you don't catch it well, right? And so, um, but. But during the, during the course and the rhythm of the, of the afternoon of throwing axes, some people got a little bit more um, frustrated with their, with their ability to hit the target. And so they would have a lapse of judgment. A lapse of judgment when axes are flying is probably not a really good idea. And so what would happen is you, you'd throw your axe and you'd wait for the other person to throw, and then you would both go and retrieve your axe at the same time unless you had a lapse of judgment. And then you would throw your axe, and you'd be so frustrated that you didn't hit the target or hit the target that you wanted that you would go to retrieve your axe while the other person was in motion to throw. And you can see the fear and anxiety setting in in your face as you think about who that was and how that went, and you're wondering why they aren't here today. Just kidding, Just kidding about that. But... but but this is what would happen. You would throw the axe and somebody would, they, they forget that somebody else was throwing and somebody would say, stop, don't. But they were just leaning in. They were just so invested in the axe throwing thing. They were just going to retrieve their axe and they can get back and do it again, get back and do it again. And in that case, leaning in is not such a grand idea. Like, matter of fact, you want to stall back. You don't want to lean in on that one. But uh, all series long, we've been talking about kind of moving in the direction of God. Right? We know that God is there, and we know that God actually has leaned in our direction. But this part, our part in that, is to kind of lean back. It's to kind of say, hey, God, I'm going to meet you. I'm going to come back in your direction. Some of us have, have, have kind of gotten wayward in our hearts, right? And maybe we're not wayward in our, in our presence, 
but we're wayward in our heart. Our heart hasn't really been invested in pursuing God. And so the call over the last couple of weeks has been to kind of draw back to God. Well, this morning, the idea of, of leaning in is, is an idea that really produces joy. Let me give you another illustration. Um, it happens with any kids, but uh, I, I only have mine, so I'll tell you the story about mine. Um, I have found that with each of our kids that, uh, that there's a universal sign language for come jump on daddy. Okay? And, it, and, and, and it's just, as a matter of fact, it might even be true if I give this same sign language to your kids. But simply put, if I find myself in a, in, you know, not standing up, but if I'm sitting down so that I'm kind of at eye level and I go like this, without doubt, they just come running. I mean, full sprint ahead, and, uh, and they're just carefree about it, you know, just... And just the full anticipation that something good is going to happen at the end of that. It was, uh, it was really cool with Isaiah because he was our firstborn, so, you know, you, you're like trying to figure those things out. Uh, Nate, you know, he, he was just a thumper, but he was slow, so his is kind of more like this, and it gave you time to prepare. Cadence, she's dainty, but Tommy, he's a tank. And so when Tommy runs at you or at me and, and my hands are out for him to, for him to jump or to, to receive him, sometimes he, he's too heavy to jump or, or, or he just kind of just kind of just... If you don't catch him, that, that, that's just a painful experience. You know, it's so just, just fully falling on you. And, uh, and, and so I'm sitting in the chair sometimes to receive him, and here he comes, he's coming at me and just jumps or just falls, and I'm trying to receive him. But what I know is that as he's running into me, he has not a care in the world. He is filled with a joy that is just unexplainable. He's just, he's just a kid who's just like, hey, this is going to be great. And even the times when I drop him <laughs> or move, intentionally move out of the way, he still gets up like, this is great. Well, this morning, I want to invite you. To, to know two things. Number one, that illustration falls short because my father, he doesn't drop us. And he never intentionally moves out of the way. But the second thing I want to invite you is, is to have the joy of a kid running in there. This morning, as we wrap up this series, would you run to the father? Would you just kind of run toward him? And uh, as you run toward him, let's run toward him filled with joy. Uh, two scriptures we're going to look at this morning. The first comes from Proverbs. So if you've got a Bible, you can turn there. Going to be just literally two verses we're going to read this morning. We're going to talk about them. Um, so Proverbs 15, 13. Uh, Proverbs 15, 13. It'll be on the screen as well, but if you've got a Bible and you get there, just let me hear you say amen. amen. There you go. That's, that's really helpful. And, you, and this is good, so if you're flipping your own pages, it's helpful. Mark it down so you can, uh, you can look at it again throughout the week. But this is what it says, Proverbs 15, 13. A happy heart makes the face Cheerful, but heartache crushes the spirit. A happy heart makes the face cheerful, but heartache crushes the spirit. We're going to unpack that in just a few minutes. Uh, the second scripture is from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul's teaching in the church of Corinth, and we just studied this in our Bible study. So if you've been with us on Tuesday mornings, then you'll, you'll remember this verse. But 1 Corinthians 10, 13 uh, 1031. Let me hear amen when you get there. Oh, some of y'all flip quick. That was good. 
1 Corinthians 10.31. I'll wait for a couple more. If you don't have a, yeah, that was an amen. If you don't have a life verse, this might be one that you might want to grab a hold of. This is what it says. This is Paul to the church. He says, so whatever you eat or drink, this is part of the reason why I like this verse. So whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So whatever you eat or drink or anything else that you do, do it all for the glory of God. You know, it's kind of interesting if you really start thinking about this, and this is not uh, really the heart of the message, but um, as Paul gives this instruction, he, he, he says, he starts off with basic needs. He says, you know, like, when you're doing those things that everybody does, do that on purpose. And then he goes beyond that. He says, well, not only when you're doing the things that everybody does, he says, when you're doing anything else, and you can imagine the pause for a minute there. When you're doing anything else, pause. What's anything else? What are the things that you and I do? Or what are the things that you, separate from anybody else, the things that only you, unique to you, those things that you do? And when you do those things, do you do them in a way that are, that's surrendered to the Lord? In a way that says, God, I'm, I'm leaning into you. God, I, I'm, I'm giving this to you. God, this is an act of me pursuing you. God, this is for you. When, uh, when, when I talk to my friends, is this, God, this is for you. When I, when I go to work, God, I'm doing this unto you. When I'm, when I'm uh, playing games, God, this for some, by the way, I play games with some of y'all. Some of y'all are like uber competitive, right? So that competitiveness, really fun, but, but somehow, God, this is meant to be honoring to you too. When, I, when, I, when I'm leading song, when, I, when I'm enjoying music, God, whenever, whatever it is that I'm doing, is it, is it surrendered unto God? Is it, is it really given to him that it's meant to be glorifying to God the way that we participate in it? And again, we'll, we'll look at that a little bit more in a second. But, but this morning, I guess where I'm, what I'm trying to get us to, where I'm trying to move us toward is this. Let me see your smile. Come on, everybody. Let me see your smile. Let me see it. Let me see. It. Don't hold back. Don't hold back. Let me see it. That's good. I like it. Yes. Yes. Some of you are, you didn't think I was going to look at you, and then I looked, so you smiled. You're like, all right, yeah. He's looking. Eye contact. I got to smile now. Come on. Let me see. There it is. There it is. That's a good one. That's a good one. That's cool. All right. Um, I want to encourage us. I want to encourage us that the proverb that we were reading, where it says, a happy heart makes a face cheerful. I want to encourage us that what we see here, in large part, not exclusively, but in large part, tells us a lot about here. Just tells us a lot about here. That when your heart is full, when, 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 you're, when you indeed are rooted in the Father, that it's visibly, no, that it's, that it's visible through your expression. That it's known through your posture. That it's seen in who you are. Watch this. Think about people who you know really well. Somebody you know really well. Don't think about everybody you know really well. I don't have a lot of time for that. Just think about somebody you know really well. You haven't talked to them in, in, in all day, but you see them. And as soon as you see them, you look at their face. And upon looking at their face, you have a presumption. You have an idea of how things are going for them, don't you? 
you see their face, you're like, oh, yeah, this is good, you know? Oh, oh, it was a hard day, wasn't it? Oh, I got a box of tissues right here for you. You know right away that something has gone on here by what you see here. Now, there are a few people, that, and I think this is a gift. There are a few people who this just always looks like, you know, and you're just like, how does that happen? So somebody who, she's not here today, but, but she'll, she'll probably listen online. Amy Carl. Amy Carl. I could imagine Amy's favorite prized possession getting backed up over and over again by a septa, and she'd still be like, today's a great day. <laughs> you like? It's just, just her natural, gifted posture. Now, Mike, you're married to her. You, have a different, you, might, have, you might have more insight than that. But from what I know, and from what we all see, every, as soon as I said it, every one of y'all who know Amy were like, yep, that's right. That's right. I mean, she just carries herself in that way. But I do want to say this. I think that it's, it's also deeply rooted in who Amy is in the Lord and who Amy is in her connection to the Father. And I think it's available to you and to me in that way. Part of, the, part of pursuing God and finding joy and leaning into God is, uh, is understanding that, that joy and happiness are two different things. Joy and happiness are two different things. And so let's, uh, let's kind of think about, there, there, was a, there was a musician, I don't know anything that she ever sung, but her name was Cheryl Crow. Anybody ever hear her? Some, put your hand if you heard her. Let's just age the room. That's good. That's good. That's good. All right. So she sung some songs, but one of the lines of her song, I don't even know what song it was, but one of the lines of her song said this. It said, if it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. If it makes you happy, then why contain your tongue? All right, I didn't mean to lead you into sin right there. Then why are you so sad? Right? And, uh, and she apparently understood that, that joy or, or that the expression of joy and happiness aren't exactly the same thing. You see, this idea that, that sometimes what makes us happy isn't what is actually best for us. Sometimes the things that just make us <laughs> giggle a little bit aren't the things that God has for us or has in front of us or the things that God is drawing us to. See, see, happiness is an emotion that we experience, the feelings that range anywhere from like being content and satisfaction to, to this blissfulness of intense pleasure. Right? And this, 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 whole, this whole range of emotion in there is all lumped up under this, um, this idea of, of happiness. But joy, joy is different. You see, we find joy when we experience um, uh, selflessness. When we, when we find joy, we find true joy when, when, when we're in the will or the center of what God has for us. We find true joy when it's not dependent on our, in, our individual circumstances, but it's dependent on who has created that circumstance for us. You see, joy we can find when our experiences aren't going the way we would want. Happiness is a little bit harder to discover in those moments. Our joy is deeply connected to God. 
Maybe, uh, maybe another way is to take you back to that illustration of, of Tommy, and you can picture him toddling in the room and kind of running to, to leap onto me. His joy, his happiness, what makes him happy in that moment is after he leaps onto me, I'm like, oh, Tommy, you're so great. Go do it again. And he's like, this is cool. But his joy, his joy is not dependent on me offering him a chance to do it again. It's not even dependent on me catching him. It's simply his joy found in toddling in my direction. What I do in response to that, well, that's just the father doing what the father would do. But his joy is just toddling in my direction. Jesus understood this because Jesus said to the disciples, you remember this, this would be like Matthew, uh, maybe Matthew 15, somewhere around there. Um, and, and the disciples and Jesus are hanging out and there's a teaching moment and, and, uh, and, and some of the, I know it's hard to imagine, but in the midst of that teaching moment, there's some kids there and some of the kids are distracting. Kind of hard to imagine, right? Like imagine, imagine a young kid, like, I don't know, maybe like, maybe like a, a seven-year-old who might be sitting like stage left, you know, and everybody's like worshiping the Lord and he's like yelling out things, distracting. It's kind of hard to imagine. Hard to imagine something like that ever happening. But, but it, it happened, it actually happened to Jesus. We're in good company. It happened to Jesus. And so Jesus is teaching, and, and, and the disciples are all like, you know, listening in. You can imagine they're raising their hands. You know, there's somebody standing up in the top, counting how many people showed up. All those kind of things are happening, right? And then some kids start acting out, but not in a bad kind of way. They're just like, you know, being kids. They're just being goofy, right? And the disciples are like, stop that get out of the room and takes him and sits him in a chair out there i did these things this morning by the way takes him and sits him in the chair out there and then jesus says hey you what are you doing you knucklehead those kids they understand something let them come to me because when they come they come with joy with joy he says the kingdom of god is theirs belongs to them well, why? It's something about this idea of pursuing God with joy. Just childlikeness, just running for it. How many of you have done your Christmas shopping? Come on, put your hands up. Your kids aren't in the room. Come on, put your hands up. Now, for those who have their hands up, I want you to repent because I didn't even give you my list yet. But... <laughs> But that's cool. You, you did your Christmas shopping, right? But, you know, you, you remember what it's like when you were a kid and you, you made the list, made the list, right? You said, this is what I want. You know, you maybe drew pictures of it so that mom or dad or auntie or whoever was bringing the gifts would, would really know, you know? Maybe, maybe, you know, you were hoping for the Santa guy to come. And so you, 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 you made a really special list of things that you knew mom and dad couldn't afford that somehow still showed up, you know, those kind of things. But do you remember how much joy that gave you? Remember how happy you were about that? Well, the happiness was dependent on whether the gift actually came. Right? Right? If you got up on Christmas morning and the gift wasn't there, that there was, a, there was a lack of happiness, wasn't there? Am I the only one? Come on, come on, be honest. It's okay. We have healed. We're okay. But, but there was a moment, right? But the joy in making the list... The joy of making the list was the anticipation that something great was going to occur, right? It, it wasn't dependent on it actually happening. It was just the anticipation that something great was going to occur. Tommy running across the room just anticipating this is going to be awesome, 
The kid sitting in the back who's like distracting and like maybe has like ADD or something. It's just going nuts and, and, and everybody's like, what the? but they got that joy that God is going to do something really right. Something that's good. Do you have that joy? Do you have that anticipation that as you pursue God, that he's going to do something that is beyond measure, something that is great, something that is, that is, uh, that, that's both life-giving, but something that also, is also very satisfying? For those who are deeply rooted in our tradition, our church tradition, you'll know that we have uh, some historical documents that we look back to from time to time. And one of them is the Westminster Shorter Catechism. You've probably never heard me say that in church before. But uh, the very first question of this catechism is, what is the chief end of man? These are all question answers. It was kind of written to help us understand faith through the, light, through the eyes of the church. And it says, what is the chief end of man? What is the purpose? What is our purpose? Why are we here? And it's not just, it's just man universal. Right? From little ones to big ones, from male and female. What is our purpose? It says our purpose, our chief end, is to glorify God. Listen to this. To glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. To enjoy Him forever. So we've been talking for these last couple weeks about this idea of pursuing God, of leaning into God, of, of running in his direction. And I know for a fact that some of us have gone home at the end and said, I want to pursue you, but it seems so hard or it seems so vague. And so you picked up your book. I'm going to start reading. And that helped a little bit, but it, it didn't satisfy the whole thing. It didn't fulfill. You still, you still had more questions than answers. And, and, and you, you went in with full hope and anticipation that the day or the week was going to go better. But in reality, you still came up against those same hurdles that you had been coming up from time to time again. The same, the same things that had gotten in your way, the same temptations that had been in front of you, they were still there. And so you're saying, I'm trying my best, but it's difficult. And I want to simply say, say to everyone who's in that situation today that the joy that God is calling us to in pursuing him is not dependent on the circumstances that you're pursuing him through. That the joy is found in the pursuit. It's found in the pursuit. Jesus is dying. John chapter 17. If you got a Bible, you can turn there. John chapter 17. Jesus is dying. He knows the time is coming to an end. It's, uh, it's just hours before he'll find himself arrested and put to the cross. And Jesus takes the time in John 17 to pray. It's a really special moment. Jesus prays. And maybe you've, maybe you've read this a bunch of times and maybe you've never really thought about how it might apply to you. But if you're in John chapter 17, look with me starting in verse 20. This is what he says. This is Jesus having an intimate moment with his Father. He's praying to the Father. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also, let me stop for a second because you don't have the context. The them alone, first he prayed for his disciples, for the people who he had just spent a whole lot of time with, his very best friends. But he says, I'm not just praying for my best friends. I pray also for those who will believe in me because of their message. Uh, let me help you understand this. We are those people that Jesus prayed for. 
right? So you believe in Jesus now in part because of the, the, the work that the disciples did right after Jesus died. So Jesus died, the disciples locked down and then bursted out and went forth and took the good news to the ends of the earth. You are a result. I am a result of that good news being told over and over again. So Jesus said, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's us. That all of them may be one, may be one. Father, just as you and I, just as you are in me and I am in may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. Verse 22, listen to what it says. I have given them the glory that you gave me. I have given them the glory. I have given them the joy. I have given them the fullness. I have given them the purpose. I have given them the identity. I have given them the responsibility. I have given them all that you gave me. Jesus praying to the Father before he's arrested and put to death. He says, God, I'm praying for those who saw me. I'm praying for those who saw people who saw me. I'm praying for those who are going to come 2,000 years from now who are going to believe in me, who are going to sit in a church that's got some red carpet. And by the way, has some new carpet downstairs too. Check it out before you leave. But I'm praying for those people who go to that church 2,000 years from now that they will know that they have been given all that you gave to me. Everything that you summed up in me. Jesus' prayer for you and for me is that we would have the joy of knowing the Father the way he knows the Father. That we would have the fullness of understanding our identity the way he understood his identity. That we would have the willingness to surrender the way he was willing to surrender. Jesus prayed in his final prayers that you and I would be satisfied in what God has ahead of us. So this morning, I want to invite you, would you lean in? Would you pursue? Would you say yes? It's going to be small ways, and then some bigger ways, and maybe some really challenging, ginormous kind of ways. But would you lean toward the Father? What does that look like, Pastor? Help me to understand. I'm glad you asked. It starts by running. It's funny you're here today. Starts by running. When I say running, I don't mean the exercise kind of running. I mean flee. I mean run as if your life depended on it. So what are you running? What are you running to? What are you running from? It starts by saying, I'm going to run away from the things that are moving me away from the Father. Listen. There are patterns that we have adopted. There are habits that we have. There are people in our lives. There are voices that we listen to that move us away from God's purpose for us. Would you run from there? Would you just say, I can't do that anymore? I can't do that anymore. I'm going to put that down, and I'm going to do everything I can to move away from it. That action, that literal physical action of moving away from it, is a big step into saying, God, I'm moving to what you have for me. See, moving away from this says, God, I'm moving to where you want me. I'm going in the direction that you set me in. See, if, if, if you're not willing to move away from it, how can you possibly move toward him? 
Because you're still lynched here. You're still tied here. You're still still hugging here. You're still holding on to something else over here. When in reality, God is saying, be free from that. Because what I have from you is so much better. What I'm moving you toward is fullness. What I'm moving you toward I thought was worth dying for. What I'm asking of you cannot coincide with that. So the first step. Now, we could spend all morning trying to identify what you need to run from. But it's really simple. If you just took a moment right now and just thought to yourself, what is it in my life that doesn't look like Jesus? Would you run from it? For some of us, it's this. It's our tongue. The way we use it. Not like when you lick your ice cream cone, but like when you're talking to people. Right? And you say things that just... I was out to lunch with Pastor Crawford and some other people the other day, and there was uh, four or five of us in a room, and you ever just have one of those moments where you're just like, there's the ball, it's on. I'm, thinking of, I'm, I'm not thinking of golf. I'm thinking of t-ball. There's the ball, it's on the tee, it's too big to miss, I'm just going to crank it out. Right? You know, it's like softball pitch, but really... Bad example, I struck out in softball, but really slow softball pitch. You're just like, I'm going to just hit this one out of the park. You don't know what I'm talking about? Well, I was, in this, I was having this conversation. We're all sitting at lunch. We're talking, and, and Pastor Crawford said something that just left the door wide open for me to take a little jab at him. And I did. Man, I just, and in, in a way that only I can, I jabbed in and turned. Like I was like, I'm so funny. I'm so good. And immediately as it came out of my mouth, the Spirit of God was like, ah. And I felt my heart sink. By the way, it's not why Pastor Crawford's not here today. (laughs) I felt my heart sink. And so when we left lunch, we both were going in our different directions, and I, I, I pursued him. I went to him and said, hey, Crawford, I know it was funny and everybody laughed. And I know you're thick skinned and it probably didn't even bother you. But man, am I sorry. Sometimes my tongue leads me away from what the Father has ahead of me. So I need to run from that. Maybe it's not your tongue, but for some of us it probably is. Maybe it's something else. But is there something that you just know, God, you want me to run away from it? For some of us, it's, it's addictions, it's battles. It's, it's true things that we find ourselves tied to. And it's time to lay those things down, and we need help to lay them down. We can't do that on our own. But the act of moving away from it is one of those steps. The second thing I want to encourage you this morning is this. Would you anticipate true joy coming? Would you anticipate in a childlike way that there will be unexplainable satisfaction as you move toward God? What I'm saying is this. Only God can give it. It's not my spouse's to give to me. It's not someone else's to give to me. It can only come from the Father. So it's not dependent on anybody else. But there is a part of me that needs to say, God, I await that. I look for that. My eyes are wide open open in anticipation that something great is going to come out of this. Not dependent on my boss or the job or the church or or anything else. Simply dependent on God. 
God, you are the one who determines these things. My end is pursuing you, is running towards you, is being hopeful in you. I, uh, here's, here's an illustration of that. Um, when, it, when it's your birthday or Christmas, and it doesn't matter how old you are, when it's your birthday or Christmas and, and you get a card in the mail, right? You haven't opened it yet. You get the card in the mail. You know it's a card because it says Hallmark on it. You know, you know right away. It's, it's, it's special, right? You pick it up, and the first thing you do is you feel the weight of it, right? Come, come on, be honest. You're like, all right. You know, th- maybe the weight of it for you is you're not thinking gift card or money. And like, oh, is that, there's a handwritten note inside with this as well. Or you're thinking it's one of those funny cards. You know, you open it up, and it sings to you or something like that. You have anticipation of what this is going to be. This is going to be great. Okay, if, you, if you're not so big on the mail thing, because now you're in electronics, it's okay. So on the morning when you come downstairs, and you look at the base of the tree, and there's nothing there, how you feel? You're bummed, right? You're bummed. And for those of us who are married, you look, you kind of corner your eye at your spouse, aren't you? You're like, huh, what happened to you, McGrinch? Right? And so, um, you know, but, but you come down those steps with anticipation. Like, this is going to be something good. And when you see the gift, you don't know whose it is, but you see it there, you're like, ooh, I didn't wrap that one. I wonder what it is. Or if you're like me and you're just like, you, you've already figured out the shapes of the sizes and you're just like, I know what's in that box, but I'm still anticipating opening it, right? I told y'all a story last week. Like, I stayed up late wrapping gifts, and I'm so excited to go back and open them up. Like, this is going to be really cool. I, I, there's, there's, matter of fact, uh, where, where's Harmony at? Harmony delivered me a, a Christmas gift today. It was great. Like, I'm, I'm going to wrap it, and then I'm going to open it. It's fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you know, like, the, this is really But anticipation is one of those things that we lean into when we're simply saying, I know something good is going to come out of this. I know that something here is worth waiting for, looking forward to, uh, hope, being hopeful in. And I want to say to us today that we have done really well at giving that that anticipation to, to, to stuff. And we've even done really well at giving that anticipation to people. But we haven't done so well at saying, God, I anticipate you doing something great. Matter of fact, for a long time, Protestant church, you know, looked uh, shunningly upon other Protestant churches that did that. Oh, you know, you guys are just, you know, all about, you know, money and and greed and all kind of crazy ideas. And I'm not saying the church didn't have its faults, but I am saying this. I serve a God who is big. If he can stand a river up on its edge, oh, he can take care of some problems in my life. Okay. Like, I mean, I mean, I mean if, if he can shield those who he has called, if he can make 12 people create, you know, uh, allow 12 people to tell a story that eventually became this, oh, he can take care of those hurdles that are ahead of me. I anticipate the greatness of God. And the last thing I want to say to us this morning is this. Your trials are going to come. So the question is, how will you displace them? How will you move past them? How will you put them in their proper place? I want to equip you again. This is the prayer that Jesus prayed, that I invite you to cling to these words. Father, just as you and I are together, may they also be in us so that the world might believe in Jesus 
I, Jesus, have given them the glory that you gave to me, that they may now be one just as you and I are one. And I will be in them just as you are in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that, that God, you sent me, and that you love them the same way that you loved me. Jesus prayed that we would understand that the church is meant to come together to display to the world the love that God has for them. When your hard times come, would you look around here and identify people who you can lean on? Would you look around here and say, I'm going to lean on you when that comes my way? I've got a friend who is battling some things, some, some, some old demons in his life. And he hasn't given up. He's in a situation that a lot of people probably would have just said, you know, I, I can't do this anymore, and give up. And he's not giving up. Instead, he's leaning in. He's saying, help me find places to read. Help me find people to be around. Surround me with people who I can lean on when those demons come my way. I've got another friend who's out in Colorado. I'll invite you to join with me. If you have something to write with, get something, get that out now so you can take note of this because I want you to pray for him. Um, I've got a friend who's out in Colorado. I've told you about him before. Pastor Mark. He, uh, st- he's really started a movement uh, in Colorado that, uh, that, is, that is extraordinary. Um, but uh, recently, his uh, 13-year-old son um, was diagnosed with a serious, uh, seriously rapid growing form of cancer. And uh, his son, who would have been an uh, eighth grade boy this year, um, or who is an eighth grade boy this year, but isn't able to be in school, um, is, is laid up in the hospital battling against this form of cancer. Pastor Mark is the guy I'm asking you to pray for. Pray, pray for Pastor Mark and his wife, Jenna. And uh, just recently, uh, Pastor Mark put up a post on Facebook that was uh, pretty inspiring. He was kind of calling his church networks to, uh, to be praying for his son and, um, and to, to be joining them in, in, in hope and anticipation that God would heal his boy. Um, but, uh, but three days ago, um, he had, his son had, had a, a very joyous night. He was, uh, he was in his hospital, uh, at the children's hospital out there in, in, uh, in Colorado, and, uh, and the Denver Nuggets came to visit him. Those who don't know the Denver Nuggets, it's the, it's the 76ers of Colorado. They came to visit him. And uh, his story of him being a young, bas- young boy who plays basketball had kind of gotten around. And so they came in, and they were meant to cheer him up. Anyway, the, the, what I want to tell you about the story is that uh, uh, his church has, has created some bracelets, um, you know, kind of like if you remember back to, uh, who was that, that cyclist? Lance Armstrong had those yellow bracelets that everybody wore, those you know, I don't know, whatever they, whatever they were made of, silicone bracelets, I think they were. And, uh, and so they had those bracelets, and they say something on them. Well, his church had created ones that said uh, 53 strong. Uh, 53 was, uh, was the boy's number on his basketball jersey, and strong was the prayer that they had that he would be again. And uh, the Denver Nuggets came in, and, and they were there in the room, and they were cheering him up, and, and uh, they gave him some stuff. And then they asked, could they, as a team, could they 
have uh, some of his bracelets. And uh, the, the next night, the Denver Nuggets were uh, playing on ESPN and on a nationally televised game, and they were all wearing his bracelets in the game. It's a pretty powerful moment. And here on ESPN, they acknowledged that this young boy was, uh, was ill with cancer, and he just kind of the story was going, uh, going viral at that point. Um, Pastor Mark is, is somebody who I, I, I aspire to, uh, to, to live in faith like. Um, his son is, is battling what could be a terminal disease. And Pastor Mark stands in full anticipation of what the Father will do. There's nothing that Mark can do. He can't heal his son. He can't take away, and though we all would if we could, he can't take away what his boy has. But what he can do is lean into God in a time when, the, when a lot of people in the world would lean away from God. He can lean into God and say, God, I'm going to pursue you, and I'm going to hope, and I'll, yet I'll trust in what you will do. My prayer, and I'm sure your prayer now as well, is that God will heal his son. But what we know in full confidence is that as we pursue, as we lean into God, we move in the direction he has for us. We say yes to what is next, even when we don't fully understand it. So in words that I believe Pastor Mark would say, if God decides to take Eli home, we have no answer for why. But we move into a place of trusting. God, as I pursue you, as I lean in your direction, I move toward what you have for me, no matter what it is. I don't know what you're going to face this week. I hope it's nothing like that. But I do know this. If you'll lean to the Father, if you'll allow the joy that is deeply rooted in your heart to be expressed in your outer being, if you'll trust in full confidence that what God has ahead of you is right, if you will understand your purpose to love and pursue God and enjoy Him forever, then you'll move in a direction that God has for you next. I'm praying for you this week that you and I together might do that. Let's pray together now. God, God, we pray right now for Eli. We pray for healing over his life. We pray and live with his church in full anticipation of you doing something that is great. But God, hearing the witness on national television of a hopefulness that you would heal, that you, the only one who can, that you would heal him. God, even that, even that testimony going forth, is something that is meant to bring you honor and glory. But God, we join in the prayer that Jesus has prayed that the church indeed would lean on each other as they lean into you. That when those times are difficult, that we would, we would look to our brothers and sisters. We don't need to look to the world to lean on. I don't need to go to outside of counsel. God. I, I need to go to counsel of other believers. I need to go to people who, who understand who you are and understand what you might have ahead of me. And so God, as, as, as things are difficult, I lean on others. 
And together we lean into you. We pursue you because we know that we are being pursued by you. We know that you are doing something that is great in our midst, that you are doing something that is great within us. We run to you like children, and we're we're unashamed about it. And it doesn't matter how this story ends. We're going to run in your direction because, God, we have full anticipation that what is right and what is great is what is ahead of us and that you hold that. And so, God, we're hopeful. We're no longer chasing happiness. Happiness comes and goes. Happiness is dependent on what I ate and how I feel that moment. I'm chasing the joy of the Lord. I'm chasing a real, true understanding that God has something that is great for each one of us. And so this Christmas, as we prepare to the time in which the entire world says, let's celebrate, I want to celebrate knowing we're centered in you, Lord. I want to celebrate knowing that you are filling us and fulfilling your purpose in us. I want to celebrate knowing that the work of your son made way for us to be at work doing what is right and what is good because you have created us to be that way. And so as a church, God, we say help us to pursue you, to know you, to know what is next from you and to trust you as the one who gives it. And for all those moments, whatever they are, big or small in our life, where we have question and confusion and doubts and worry, thank you for surrounding us with a cloud of witness that we can lean on. Brothers and sisters in small groups and church groups that we can say, would you help me in this season? season? Would you walk with me in this season? Would you talk with me in this season? Would you remind me in this season? Would you hold me accountable in this season? Would you call me at the hour when you think I might fall? Would you, would you, would you cry out for me? Would you, would you plead to God on my behalf? Would you, would you speak truth over my life? Would you, would you show up at my door? Would you, would you be with me in this time so that, that I can see it through? That together we might pursue the ways of God. our life might be surrendered to the one who truly gives us joy. So God, in this joyous season, receive us. That's our prayer. Receive us. And receive this time of worship. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. We pray it was life-giving. To find out more about us, visit our website at rocksboroughchurch.org and join us for worship on Sundays at 10.30 a.m.